everyone, and welcome to Forward Unto Quan. I'm your host, Tyler. We have a very special episode, our final episode of Forward Unto Quan this week. In place of our usual conversation about the Halo universe at the top of each episode, I'll be talking with a great friend and owner of uh, one of the all-time great gamer tags, Robomantis, Alex Patanos, about a trip that he organized for us and a few friends a couple years back to something called Halo Outpost Discovery. It was actually part of a gift for my bachelor party celebration. So after that conversation with Alex, which is coming right up, We'll have our normal panel, plus two, to talk about Transcendence, the final episode of this season of Halo the Series. Right now, here's that conversation with Alex about Halo Outpost Discovery. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Alex, thank you so much for uh, being here with me uh, to talk a little bit about Halo and specifically about uh, Halo Outpost Discovery. Um, <clears throat> Alex... How did you get the idea? Uh, where did you hear about Halo Outpost Discovery? Why did you think it was a good idea for us to go? And uh, talk a little bit about what the, the circumstances were under under which you made these plans. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, what I remember was, I think I saw an article on you know, Polygon or IGN or something like that, where they were just like, hey, there's this like Halo thing going on. And what I specifically remember was, um, for those in the audience, Ty got married like two weeks before I did. So we were both in the midst of like planning a wedding. And so it was this kind of like, yeah, I didn't have time to really kind of like. Yeah, just plan. really care carefree and fun time in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, you know, I guess in comparison to the pandemic that happened, like totally carefree and fun. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was just kind of in like a let's let's find something yeah uh we were on kind of like a planning uh bachelor party thread that was kind of like not going anywhere and i found this and i was like this looks cool it might be terrible it might be awesome it might be something in between but i think that if we all go to this this will be a really fun time you know it was a lot of people obviously our group was a lot of gamers a lot of people who you know we've known each other since high school so you know, we yeah, were playing it was only like, Halo. There's only like four of us that ended up going, right? I think so. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, but and like, so do you remember? Like, you described it as like this Halo thing that's happening. Do you remember like how it was? Because I was struck by how different it was from like I just went to my first Star Trek convention, and it was like a yeah. very different thing. Because like this wasn't like a bunch of like it wasn't like Jen Taylor and. Steve Downs were there doing photo ops and signing autographs or something like yeah. that. So do you remember like how they kind of like pitched it? Well, it's pitched as like an interactive experience or something like that. Like I yeah, think they exactly. knew they couldn't call it like uh, like an actual con necessarily because they knew it wasn't a full it, con. It has yet. like expectations, yeah. Right. But I have it actually pulled up the like Halopedia they call it a meta interactive experience. So, you know. So when you like when you told me about it and invited me and everything, I was like, yeah, it was like super 50-50 for me. I was like, this will be like a fun experience no matter what, but is this going to be this transparently hollow traveling marketing experience, right? Like this yeah. big like Uber merchandising thing. 
or like is this something that you know will have actual stuff for fans to do and and care about and i think like i don't know that question is is almost like still unanswered to me Um, (laughs) i i think you know sort of similar to the halo show like it's it was surprisingly more interesting in points than i was expecting it to be and then absolutely there were some parts that were just fully like a transparent marketing like you know data mining like we're yeah, selling totally. your information kind of a deal yeah like so the app which i want to talk so so this was in chicago this is at the whatever the rose i think rosemont convention center i don't yeah. remember what it's called now yeah. um and you guys got me the vip uh access or whatever <clears throat> which uh from what i remember came with uh, one of those drawstring bags. It came with, uh, I think everybody got some dog tags, but I got like silenced mm. engraved instead of like laser etched dog tags that say John 117. Um, I think I bought a poster or got a poster. I'm not sure. Um, and I bought uh, a t-shirt. Um, and I got also got as part of the VIP package, the same Funko Pop that uh, executive producer of Halo the series, Kiki Wolfkill had on her shelf behind her, which is a gold uh, I'm pretty sure this is where I got this, a gold yeah. Master Chief holding Cortana in his hand, which which was cool. I think um, we got like four of them. So I think only a couple of them actually made that made it home with you. I think we had a bounty. Oh, them. nice. So if those are actually valuable. We probably, probably wasted some. I don't know if they are or not, but they're valuable. Like, I don't know. To me, it's, it's cool. You know, uh, I, I like just from doing this podcast and stuff, I've had a couple experiences where I've been talking more about halo with people like my, my parents were over and I mentioned it to them and, and Julia and I were just sitting there pointing around the house and realizing like, Oh my gosh, like we have racked up a lot of halo memorabilia over the years. Like Cortana is just sitting on my monitor top yeah. looking at me all, all the time. But as far as like what we did in the actual, event itself um so i there was something called pelican training that we didn't go to um there was a laser tag thing where it was kind of like stylized halo universe weapons in a simple laser tag setup uh and we like i i remember just getting completely wrecked there was like a respawn mechanic of some kind you got shot and you had to go back somewhere you had to go back to the start of the base yeah i similarly remember feeling like my skills at halo translated over perfectly like i was just like a like a 0.4 kd ratio about the good kind like you are yeah yeah and and the guns made the the like so when you would get shot they would make the like shields down noise that was that was the best part of that experience and there was a nerf firing range with like um the like boom co i think they are Mm -hmm. like halo universe weapons um i think those are the ones that are like easy to explain and talk about uh what's your recollection of the quote-unquote escape room experience at halo outpost discovery yeah so it its official name is covenant escape and you know basically i think it was it was billed as a sort of escape room thing where you're going in and there's kind of like some interactive video with some, you know, in universe. I, I didn't recognize any of the characters. Like there's Gabriella was like, yeah, they had made up a UNSC scientist who ends up being like really similar to Miranda keys and halo of the series. And, and like this, they had this new AI that they made. And I think they, they were custom built characters for this traveling event, which I don't know if that made sense, but they did it. Yeah, so you're kind of let in, you get a little bit of a story. I, I don't remember what the plot is, but you're on a Covenant ship, and then you sort of, 
you know, it's maybe three or four rooms and you kind of go from room to room. But I don't particularly remember having like puzzles <laughs> to solve necessarily or like a thing to zap or something. Like, I think we basically just were so, shepherded so through by like a, a surly teenager. So my recollection of this is very different. And my main memory of the escape room experience is you giving a super hard time to like the the person in his high teenage years who was like trying to just like facilitate running the line and getting us through and then yeah. uh like the person that we got grouped up with which is like a, a young teenager maybe like 13 maybe even 12 or even a little younger um and and, and like the former was just trying to do his job yeah the latter was like, like really really wage yeah the and the, the younger kid was like really pumped to like escape from a covenant room um, yeah. And like you were like bursting both of their bubbles as we were waiting in line for this thing. And then the thing was like, I don't even remember it as three or four rooms. I remember it as kind of like a room with a door in the middle and the door yeah. had some like a circle of lights and there was like kind of a puzzle. But at one point the guy was like, yeah, you guys get the idea. And like, but we got to go and like, like just kind of moved us through. And it was like, you know, my experience with escape rooms, I didn't think we'd have an hour, but I, I thought right. there'd be. 10 minutes and I, I think we were in and out of there in a couple of minutes from well, what I, I think, remember. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe this kind of, you know, is sort of like a larger thing about the experience. Like I, I would love the idea, like maybe, you know, with, so apparently this was put on by 343. So, and they specifically said they, you know, they did it in 2019 and they're not doing it in 2020 or, or any of the years since because of working on Halo Infinite. So I would love the idea to see this come back and maybe with some money from Paramount behind and like stars from the show now and stuff like that, maybe actually building it out to like a fuller con experience. But I mean, the thing that I remember too was like we waited in that line for a long time, like yeah. maybe close to two hours, you know, like a very, yep. very long time. And so I think maybe in a perfect world that, you know, there's more stuff to do. So everybody's just not piling into these kind of like three or four main events and they could take a little bit more time. But I think that like that kid was just trying to get us through. Cause it's like, he's got like a hundred other people waiting in the line that he's got to get through before the end of the yeah, day. You know? and totally. And I also remember having the vibe, like something, something didn't quite work right. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah. like it wasn't fully baked, the escape room itself. It wasn't fully set and like ready for, for escapees. Um, yeah. In the way that you think of when you hear an escape room, the very last thing I remember was kind of the historical, uh, halo museum, like scattered throughout the whole show floor. There were large, like, you know, a full size warthog and a full size master chief in his armor and, and things like that. But there was specifically a section that was like really guided small rooms with like flood specimens and like, here's a chip of the halo ring, you know, of, of Delta halo and stuff like that. Do you have any specific, that, that's about as much as I remember from that. I was sort of, we, I remember at my time sort of being split between, yeah, these are neat things to look at. And like, what am I looking at? Are these props for a show? Like, is this like, what? Are... Right. <laughs> right. Where are we? Like, if it was a more transparent marketing thing for Halo Infinite or it almost for would have been better, I think. the Halo show, it could have just, yeah, given us more context of like, what is this supposed to be? The thing I remember about some of that, like Hall of History stuff. So there was a really cool, like AR feature on the app 
So like when you first go through some of the museum pieces, you, you were signed into the app and like you could pull up kind of a cool little like, you know, AR thing where there'd be like a little hologram and like, you know, little story pieces and stuff like that. And then when we got into the, it was called the ring experience. That mm. was, you know, this like kind of guided museum tour, but they had um, some actually kind of like pretty cool projectors that were, you know, kind of doing some like 3D projections and stuff like that. Yeah. But I thought those were really cool. So that was, and that I think interacted with the app as well. So like you could see, I don't know, like Halo blowing up or like a, you know, a Covenant ship like in battle or something if you, you know, put the app up and stuff like that. So I thought all of that stuff was really cool, but yeah, like not, I don't feel like I necessarily walked out of there with a deeper understanding of Halo lore or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It felt similar to, to like Julie and I did like that, went to that like immersive Van Gogh experience and it kind of felt similar to that where they're like, okay, we have like permission to use this thing. Right. We have like some cool technology, but it never quite like at Halo Outpost Discovery, I was never sure like how meta is this supposed to be? Like, do they want us to be like in unit? Like sometimes we were like recruits, and then other times we were just like, do you want to buy a super pretzel? You know, right, <laughs> like right. there's this dissonance kind of. Um, but well, like apparently, yeah, just on that meta aspect. So and I don't know how, you know, again tied in with the whole Outpost Discovery thing you know, event in the real world this is, but in universe, apparently there is an outpost discovery like thing that the UNSC puts on. That's like a recruitment tool. So like outpost discovery, when we were there oh. was supposed to be this kind we of were like UNSC recruited. recruitment propaganda thing. But yeah, that would have been so cool if, you know, a Marine was coming up to me being like, Hey, have you right. thought about, you know, like serving the UNSC or something like that. But yeah, yeah. There just wasn't really any of that there. Yeah. Obviously I don't know the economics of like conventions and I don't know if they have a big enough portfolio of like recognizable people right. um, to kind of do the traditional convention experience. Like what I saw at, at Star Trek mission Chicago recently, which was by all accounts kind of a scaled down, but standard convention. Yeah. But to me, the idea of like, there being these people to talk to and pay for photo ops with and, and stuff like that. In addition to some of these experiences to do, like maybe there's a, a real escape room and maybe you have to pay some money or maybe there's a reserve ticket system to get in right. and it's not quite as open and you can't do everything when you're there. But that sounds super appealing to me. The idea of like, Hey, our photo ops in 90 minutes, let's walk through the hall of whatever you call it, the halo yeah. ring experience, you know, until then. Um, I think that sounds super appealing. Uh, well, thank you for talking to me. Uh, thank you for that experience of, of uh, you know, inviting us and going along to Halo Outpost Discovery. Uh, it was a really treasured memory. Um, and, and thanks for uh, joining me today to talk about it. Do you have any quick thoughts? Uh, we are about to record our discussion of Halo the series uh, finale. So you can be actually our first word on the episode. Do you have any uh, thoughts on, on the episode or the, the series as a whole? Uh, I, I overall love the series as a whole. I think it was great. I guess I will say, as someone who has been on the total opposite side of the Master Chief needs to keep his helmet on debate, like I think he mm -hmm. looks stupid when he puts his helmet on. <laughs> that final shot had me finally convinced of like, okay, not only did I see what they were doing with him having the helmet off for the entire series and like establishing a character, 
But now that he has the helmet on and we've seen the change he's gone through, I think Master Chief is like way more terrifying and enigmatic and, you know, heroic and awesome than he ever was throughout the entire, you know, entirety of the first season. I think that was a really, really cool final moment they left us with. Yeah, it's like, hey, are are you in there, Chief? And that helmet just looks over and, uh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thank you again. That, that does it for our conversation about Halo Outpost Discovery. And uh, on to the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our final time together on Forward Unto Quan. As always, I am your host, Tyler Monaghan, and I am joined by regular Fireteam members, Megan Watt. Hi, Megan. Hi. And Cicero Holmes, great to have you back with us again this week. Hey, Cicero. Cortana took over my body, but I am back. Okay, good. To, that's uh, that might be a spoiler, but uh, for season two. But uh, you know, uh, and thank you both, uh, Cicero and Megan, both of you so much for being here uh, to wrap up the season. Uh, we have packed the Pelican. We've got an all-star crew today. We've got uh, even more than the allowable fire team size um so we are also joined today by returning guests julia wider hi julia hello uh and sarah norris hi sarah hi great to have you both back with us thanks thank you both for joining us for this finale bonanza so <clears throat> before we dive into talking about halo the series and the final episode of the series uh the season one season one of the series which was called transcendence um I just want to uh, talk about this episode and a little kind of personal note from myself. This episode of Forward Under Quan is named after one of the executive producers of Halo the series named Kiki Wolfkill. Uh, we first learned about, Julia and I first learned about Kiki uh, through the declassified featurettes on Paramount Plus that go along with Halo the series, um, where she's appeared a couple of times. She's also a producer on Halo 4 uh, and kind of seems to have been pretty involved in Halo since they moved from, uh, since it moved from Bungie to 343. Uh, she produced uh, the Fall of Reach animated series. Um, so, you know, obviously a total noob who who doesn't know anything about the franchise and has no right to, to contribute to it in any way, uh, as, as I'm sure our IMDb episode reviewers would believe. Um, her name, Kiki Wolfkill, is just really cool. Um, and, you know, the reason that this show is dedicated to her name is because obviously the show is a huge joint product. Um, but regardless of how we all felt about the season, I personally have had such a blast watching the show and talking about it with all of you as the season has gone on. And so I'm kind of using Kiki as the, you know, the face of the show for this. Um, we, we got the opportunity to see chief uh, kick lots of butt. He showed lots of butt. We saw a UNSC Marine get needled to death. Um, uh, like a grunt hijacked a warthog. We saw, to me, one of just the all-time best sci-fi villains of all time in Dr. Halsey, uh, and also one of the, the funniest sci-fi villains of all time in uh, Venture on, on uh, Madrigal. And, you know, we've given plenty of thoughts about our shows over this time together on Forward and Aquan, um, but it sure was memorable, right? And I, I'm glad this show existed. Um, so obviously, like I said, a huge team makes a show, but, uh, for brevity's sake, thank you, Kiki Wolfkill for, uh, Halo, the series. It's been quite a ride. Uh, so, uh, with that, let's segue into talking about 
Halo the series. I said a second ago, I was glad this show existed, existed, the past tense. Uh, we know that season two is coming, but after what we've seen, uh, you know, in the, the past couple episodes, Megan, I'm thinking maybe of some of your comments on our last forward on Daquan. Are we still glad that this show exists? Are we glad that it will continue? Did they stick the landing? Did they try to do any kind of landing at all? Um, we are about to get into all of that. So uh, if you're listening, this is your spoiler warning. From here on out, everything that happened in the entire uh, first series uh, season of Halo is is fair game for us to discuss. So be sure you have watched the episode and the whole rest of the season um, before you continue. Let's get into that episode. Episode 9, I guess that's how long a TV season is these days, if we want it to be. Uh, episode 9, Transcendence. Um, so the episode starts off with uh, Maki getting away with the artifact, uh, basically making a, a run for it away from Reach Base or whatever it is. Um, and Silver Team is back together. We had a little like kind of hallway standoff, Spartan on Spartan standoff, and John with with a big help from big assist from Keys, who walks in at just the right moment to uh, kind of. Uh, validate John's story about how big of a villain Halsey is. We got Silver Team back together. Uh, Kai took a little detour that we will talk about, or we could talk about now if we want to. Um, but basically, we got Silver Team back together, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed the sequence. Uh, so, what did you guys think? Does anybody want to talk about what it was I, like to see Silver Team? Uh, yeah, Cicero, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I th- I think I, I first want to say that you glossed over the fact that not only did Keys uh, validate all of uh, or confirm all of Chief's concerns, but he also uh, implicated himself as a villain. Uh, and, and so Chief was discovering just how how wide that rabbit hole was. Right. Not only how deep how deep the well was. Um, or that rabbit hole, whatever the metaphor is that I'm using at this particular point, but but just how many people were actually involved in that, right? Because Chief had earlier confided in Keys, and then you know, and then we we learned that Keys was was like immediately was duplicitous and 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 sold Chief out, but Chief wasn't aware of that. He wasn't aware of it until that very moment. Yeah, it, people seem to have selective. It was like Miranda was kind of aware of it, but then she like became like I don't know. This was the point where she couldn't deny it anymore or something. But- that was that was the first weird thing for me was like I felt like last week's episode was shot in a different timeline or prior to the revelation because she she was very open. Uh, Miranda was very open with her dad and was very like there was a a a a bond there right a lot of love uh there when they were interacting and then this week it was like she she remembered that oh yeah by the way I hate you so right like I'm supremely disappointed in you yeah I feel like that's a good segue into a, a quick rant about logic in general I feel like the beginning of this episode was a a real um it really drove home how very illogical this entire show has been, but especially like, okay. So McKee, first of all, manages to escape a military base um, single-handedly without a plan. And I don't understand if they don't have anti-aircraft weapons. Not a military, not a military base, Megan, the headquarters. Like the military planet. Right. The headquarters. 
humanity. Um, I'm it, fully looking forward to like a, a, an episode filled with Megan rants. So I don't want to take any of the wind out of your sails, but the, the ability of touching the artifact and it disabling the EMP cannons at the reach base has been clearly established. I suppose, but it did seem a little bit weird. It seemed like everyone was like, oh no, quickly run to the bridge. Oh, it's too late. I don't know. It seemed maybe, maybe if there had been a line about like, quick, get the anti-aircraft <laughs> cannons up. It just seemed, I mean, obviously the Covenant ship being there and everything was mightily convenient. Um, the The second part though was the silver team, while I'm very happy they got back together, uh, I I was I was really excited about that. I do think it's kind of funny that it took an emotional plea to get two non-emotional people on board. I, I feel like, and Vanek seemed very angry for somebody who still has a hormonal pellet in his spine. And I would have really liked if he had used logic somehow like look if we if dr halsey had done this then it's somebody that you can't trust and at this point she is trying to you know take over the military we can't allow that to happen for human like some, some sort of logical plea it just it seemed a little yeah uh, illogical like, yeah it, i was just weren't connecting i was struck by that too like that hormone like what does the horm- what did the hormone pellet do after all right right i, I mean i guess you yeah. could say like it opened the door for the first two spartans and then once they had the hard evidence you know they could still be persuaded with it but it was sort of like i i talked before about how it really felt like the the control chips that the clone troopers have in star wars and it just it does still feel to me like they sort of back themselves into a corner with that and never really figured out a way out so they just sort of were like yeah like they just jumped up instead of finding a way around you know what i mean uh and it was surprising sarah go ahead yeah that i found myself when silver team got back together i'm like i'm very happy i love the video game aspects but i really had to stop and wonder where did the emotional pellets go? I mean, it moved the story along, but we've also been watching Kai go through this entire journey of emotional discovery right. just to also have Risen Vanek be like, oh, okay, Key said it. I guess I have emotions now too. It felt a little <laughs> disingenuous. And I was just like, ugh, I love to watch them fight together and I'm glad they're back to being a family. But this major aspect of the emotional pellet and like the emotional control is just kind of put aside a little bit to have that family aspect and fight. It yeah. was it, it was emotional control pellet season when they were using it, um, but then it fell out of fashion, right? Like you're still on that. Like you know, that's how the writers want you to think about it. Like <laughs> it really it, does seem like for the for every single thread, like oh, you guys still care? Oh, right, well, right. no, but we're on this subject now. Right. <laughs> like, which I'm sure we'll get into quad at one point here. <laughs> TBD. Yeah, that's that's one of the... Did they did they even attempt a landing thing that I mentioned earlier? Uh, that was a really nice segue into, like I alluded to earlier, Kai, uh, Spartan team, or Silver team is back together, but Kai says, uh, I'll be right there. Halsey is mine. Um Julia, I know that you loved this scene. Uh, we got to see a- the finally the death of Aiden, uh, and we got to see Kai like literally, basically board uh, a getaway ship. Uh, Julia, thoughts on Kai's little side mission here? 
I mean, I'm pretty sure as soon as that scene started happening, I turned to you, Ty, and was like, I take back every negative thing I have said about Kai. Like, this is so badass. Yeah, you have not been a huge Kai fan. (laughs) It was so awesome to see. I hated Aiden. He creeped me out so much. (laughs) So to see her just straight up murder him with, you know, no remorse, um, that was awesome. I love everything about that scene. Did you did you all feel that she had no remorse? I felt like she was surprised and maybe didn't mean to, but like, yeah, not necessarily, not right. necessarily yeah, like, remorse. Yeah, 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 there was, you know, like, oops, but oh well. Yeah, you had that coming. Um, yeah, I, I was afraid that entire scene because, uh, like we've we've had this Kai getting murdered, like Kai going off and doing a thing and getting killed, like tease throughout the season and like at a certain point they're going to keep like you're going to keep playing with that fire you're going to get burned uh and and you know it really felt like this was the moment because we couldn't lose Halsey right like there's no way that like Halsey's kind of like on the untouchable death list right so if Kai's going after her and we know she's going to try and kill her right like then then and we know Halsey can't die what you know what's yeah. gonna happen and then they started playing the heroic music and you know and halsey gets away because she's a you know she is a classic she's dr claw right like she <laughs> i'll get you next time gadget right she is uh the the that villain she gets away and then we see the ship going down i'm like uh she's a spartan she can like jump off of this right like she could do this put your helmet back on right like put your helmet on and you could do anything and and you know and then we see it explode and i'm like oh huh, maybe they're gonna kill kai and then she comes back i'm like all right all right cool all right so like we do get to have silver team intact going into season two maybe but again, we wind up questioning that toward, you know, throughout the course of this episode. I think Riz's shoulder has turned into uh, some kind of horrific cooked human meat dish. But other than yes. that, I think, yes, mostly <laughs> mostly intact by, by the end of the episode. Uh, Sarah, did you and have Kai... oh, yeah. uh, thoughts about Kai's uh, little side quest here to get, get some revenge that was partially successful? I love Kai. Kai has been my favorite character this entire time. And every time she is on screen, she is in danger in my eyes. So I loved, it felt so, so cool. So revenge-esque for her running, trying to get keys or trying to get Halsey. But she kept taking off her helmet. And I think that was probably the most stressful part of this entire series was that little sequence of her helmet off in the in the ship and i was just yeah i was screaming at the tv and you know like i I just i couldn't believe are you kidding put your don't aiden's behind you like are you do you have no situational where he's gonna and i i was turning to ollie i'm going he's gonna kill her he's gonna kill her he's gonna kill her and then he he smacks her in the head and she just turns around and spartan murders him oh i was like you know what i I think I was getting trolled there. I think that's actually quite funny. Um, and, and, and like you, Cicero, when she was going down to the ship, I was thinking, surely we've seen Master Chief survive something like this. Surely right. Kay can too. And it was really relieving. And I just like the the nods from the rest of the Silver Team. Like, yep, 
Yeah. yeah. Like, no, no, no shout for joy, you know, because right. they still are, you know, just. I also loved their little interaction where Kai's like, would you have really shot me? And they're just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. <laughs> yeah. And, they, have this, like, no and they all agree. They all agree they would have shot one another, but like right. they would have felt differently about it. Right. Um, <laughs> and to me, it, it's like, I hope that they I hope that that's a sign of things to come in season two. And like that camaraderie that's developed in a new way between them will make John's absence from that group um, all the more acute. So, uh, yeah, whatever. That's kind of me taking my prerogative to jump ahead and talk a little bit about uh, season two. But, yeah, I'm glad you guys really I love hearing like Sarah and Julia, your diverging opinions on Kai throughout the season. But I think like (laughs) we've all come around to like appreciating like kind of what Kai's journey has been at this point, even if like, yeah, it's 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 been weird in some ways. Cicero, are you struck by I am about like as, as struck as I was by this pacing thing? we've we've become you and i used to watching a lot of other like current tv shows where i would have fully expected like aiden to come up and and smack kai on the back of the neck and then to cut and and we don't get the conclusion of that until 10 minutes or a whole episode later right and this shows tendency to take a detour and like see that detour through to the end right like kai splits off does her side mission and she she's back in time to hop on the pelican with the rest of silver team and head off to the aspero system did that strike you cicero as much as it struck me i i absolutely love the pacing of this episode right and and you know you talk about uh ty like other TV that we've watched together. Hell, this show that we've watched together <laughs> has has taken those detours and done those types of things that you're talking about. Um, uh, oh man, some episode that involved Madrigal comes to mind, right? Where there are things happening and you want to see that through, and they wind up cutting to something completely nonsensical that you know that that moves at a snail's pace and then you're going back to this thing that's moving at a lightning pace and your adrenaline is going is shooting up and down you know and by the time by the time the episode's over you've got arrhythmia right because like you just it's just so all over the place i love the pacing of this episode i love the fact that you know and part of the reason that the pacing of this episode works as well as it did for me was because they saw the narrative threads through um all you know from from you know from the split to the end with very few breaks in between so that we got that full thing and then we were able to involve everybody that we wanted to see all the chess pieces doing the same things at the same time um throughout throughout most of the episode and it worked really really well for me yeah awesome well uh so i want to talk about the next i did notice like i've mentioned a couple times on paramount plus like i have the commercial plan so you can see how they have chosen to divide the episode I have no idea at what level that decision gets made, if that's fully like a production decision or if they kind of consult with the, the, the writers or production crew about where they would like to see breaks. I, that seems unrealistic to me, but whatever. Um, and this one was split into four blocks and the final block was probably 15, 18 minutes long or something like that. And normally you get at least six blocks like per, per oh, episode. Okay. So they definitely, even though there were, there wasn't, this episode wasn't particularly long, it did have these sequence, extended sequences that, that did made it make it feel sometimes to me a little bit too long in parts, like when they were traveling to uh, the Espero system. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk real quickly about a moment that, that I was, I, 
I don't know how I felt about it actually. Um, and that was Miranda coming up to uh, her mother in a uh, interrogation cell and delivering the news to her uh, calmly and almost like triumphantly uh, smugly. I think it's fair to say that the tribunal uh, has thrown Halsey under the bus. Uh, they have ordered the exact same article 72 on her that they ordered on Quan Ha in episode one or two or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miranda says this looking into what she believes is her mother's eyes and says, I wanted you to hear it from me. Uh, holy cow. And then Halsey dies, starts having a seizure, dies right there. And we get what to me felt like a very like earned twist by this show that that was not her mother at all. Uh, you know, that was a clone. We've her ability to create flash clones of herself has been well established and they die from these mysterious, hard to diagnose seizures that totally got me. Megan, I want to start with you because you seem like the person most likely to have not been got by this. Uh, thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so Aiden says, uh, the package is secured. And I turn to Ollie and say, oh, do they have a clone on board so she can get away? <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as it crashes and it shows her running, I go, yeah, that's not Halsey. Because <laughs> we've never seen a Halsey without her poise. So her running with like a little dirt on her face and a little blood, it, it couldn't be Halsey. She but was she that too. Was that dumb to you, or did it? It it was only because it didn't at all suggest how Halsey did get away. Because I assume she was in the escape pod with her. I don't know if they loaded the clone into the escape pod beforehand, anticipating that this would happen. I doubt it. Um, oh no! I think it's totally safe to assume the same way a spy has passports stashed around the house. Halsey has clones stashed, <laughs> stashed around yeah. reach. Yeah. yeah, and then how she managed to crash land and then release the clone, and then she did. Did she just like yeah. hide in the dirt until you know? All of I, that again. When I say that, like this show likes to just drop threads, and the logic is just like, <laughs> eh, story. Um, I I just kind of. You know, it, I, I pick my battles. That's not what I'm going to pick. <laughs> I, I question whether she was on that ship to begin with, right? Like, my, so my headcanon is hmm. that Halsey was, she was seven steps ahead of everyone. Never was on, was never on that ship. Knew that that plan was doomed at best and and decided I'm going to, make them believe I'm on that ship, but then I'm going to escape by other, other means. And then if the ship does get away, I'll rendezvous rendezvous with it off planet somewhere. Yeah. I I like that you have confidence uh, and like to give them a lot of credit, (laughs) but with Aiden saying what he said and with her, Oh, by the way, when they were like, oh, she's landed in Manassas airspace and she decides to hang out at the state of Manassas ruins. That's yeah. like if I crash landed in Washington, D.C. and decided to hang out at the memorial to make sure nobody found me. Right. I just. <laughs> uh, Completely yeah. inconspicuous right in the open where someone if, uh, acknowledges yeah. me by name. And surely <laughs> they've got, you know, those little Quan wanted right. posters everywhere yeah, right and she's course. just sitting there writing in a notebook making uh, <laughs> dr. nefarious Hulse. villain lectures right paging dr halsey <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Sarah, I'm yeah. curious uh, whether how you felt about this whole clone death switcheroo. Like, did it, you know, did this feel like, oh yeah, Halo has established this and this makes sense, or did it feel like, oh, this is a dumb trope or somewhere in between? I think I was more annoyed that I didn't even think that of course she would use a flash clone. <laughs> like as she started to seize, I was like, I I got got by the show. Yeah. But after that, it it made sense that it wouldn't be Halsey, and I believe it. I think they will. Well, they might not, but next season or at some point, I do want to know when it was when the clone was switched in because it doesn't make sense that it happened like very close to her being captured. Like it feels like this is something that she did a while ago for it to actually work out that way. But I was got and I'm intrigued <laughs> to see. Yeah, that's interesting. Julia, we just started to watch the episode again, like specifically looking out for this. What's your your version of how you think that this switcheroo <laughs> must have gone down? Oh, I mean I was I was got as well. Uh I definitely didn't see it coming, but obviously once it happened, it was like, well, of course, of course, that's how it went down. Like, obviously, um, I don't know exactly when it happened. I mean, we were watching it right before this and it really seemed like it was the real Halsey in the ship with Aiden when they were uh, talking about, um, I think she was about to go off the ship and Aiden's like, well, you're, they're going to arrest you. And it really seemed like that was the real Halsey, but I don't know when that switcheroo happened. Yeah, but, and yeah. and she starts to kind of protest, and he goes, Julia, you pointed this out to me. I didn't get it at all in the first time, but he goes, no, he's like, stop. They're going to arrest you. Aren't you listening to what I'm saying? And she has a like a, a kind of a look of realization on her face, and to me, that was him saying, no, don't you get it? This I'm saying. When they see Dr. Halsey, they're going to arrest that person. This is your opportunity to get away. This is your opportunity to enact that plan. And then we were watching, there's like two frames that you get that we were like pausing of, of like Halsey, like kind of ducking into the escape pod and the doors closing. And we're like looking, we're like, I don't know. There's a big thing in there. It could hold a clone. Like I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Like they've established that these guys, these clones can, it seems like they just kind of wake up and they're fully good to start having a conversation with you until they either seize or you extract their brain through a needle and then dip them in a vat of acid. So in their eye, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, Oh man, we'll, we'll always have that. We'll always have right. the eyeball in the needle, uh, needle in the eyeball episode. Um, we have talked a lot about for on forward under Quan how we saw the eventual teams and alliances breaking down, and I think the final group that we saw kind of in the control room making the final plan was similar, but also not quite the same as what any of us had predicted. We ended up with uh, Miranda strategizing with Cortana, um, and then with Parangoski kind of being like the military establishment representative in the room. Um, but also like John and, and Kai were there with them, I think. Um, and, you know, I sort of didn't expect Parangoski to be on that final group of like the sort of on mission good guys, even though she still retains her personality and skepticism of John. Um, and anyway, they make this plan together uh, that, hey, we've been investigating this Aspero system where Maquis told us they have this holy planet. Um, John you know, being the super soldier with absolutely no humanities education or understanding of even what poetry is, is the person to decipher the poetic uh, covenant clue about the, the planet being as shards of glass. 
there's like a lot of real Star Trek sciencey wincey stuff about gravitational lensing and cosmic strings. And uh, I was like, wow, those are all like real, real things that exist. I have no idea if any of them interact in that way or could ever have that effect. But like somebody has been reading their glossary of astro mm-hmm. astrophysics here. Um, and uh, they have this very weird, very long space journey where Cortana warns them that they'll all get uh, spaghettified. So I want to open it up to the group about kind of like, TM. was was this the final group <laughs> that we expected? Um, was was it cool when they went through space? Or was it kind of annoying? Or, or did you feel like I did where I was like, this is really cool. And then like four minutes in, I'm like, okay, I think you can get through the gravitational field now. Megan, I see you nodding vigorously. <sighs> Yeah, it it did take a while, uh, and I I went from kind of not necessarily on the edge of my seat, but you know the that waiting, uh, clenching, and then going, ah, oh, come on. Because <laughs> um, when the yeah. only people in the ship are Spartans, you don't necessarily have to maintain structural integrity, right? And that added another. I was yeah. like, this ship could break up, and these people could all survive realistically. So like. That added a little bit of uh, weight to it. Except none of them had their helmets on, right? (laughs) Like this was, this was, so, so I was exactly like you, Ty. Like, well, the one thing is, um, as, you know, as a person who's, who's been in computers for for a very, very long time in IT, um, listening to people use actual words, um, that to sound smart, but they aren't used in context is always hilarious to me um, because it, you know, it is, it's, it's just like, oh yeah, we're, we've got chicken farts. Here we go. And uh, they did, you know, they did the exact same thing and it was cool. Like, all right. Hey, science, science. Here we are. Eating ham. Right. But right. At least they didn't say the word quantum. No, no, I mean, yeah, no, man, no have you seen the flash where it's literally right. everything yes. is quantum yeah. phasing quantum, with quantum yeah. computers and quantum right. whatever? And it's just, I can't. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, force. as somebody yeah. who's written a lot of techno babble, there are a lot of words out there that have been stolen by sci fi that you can't write anymore yeah. without it. Like magnetosphere, that's a real word. Yeah. You can't write that without people giggling. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought they did a, a fine job with what they had, but they. Yeah. I, I do appreciate when they use the word spaghettified because you know right. there's no yeah. I, there's no point in trying to make something up there. Just just let us know what the result will be. There you go. Um, but yeah, I, I like I remember thinking, all right, guys, this is the finale. Like this is it. You're spending a, you know you're spending a lot of screen time on <laughs> this trip, right? Like, what is the point? of all of this to have that revelation right like that revelation that um that we get where you know we zoom in the chief's eyes and it's the the recognition of being the one and starting to believe and getting us through like we could have had that right we could have had that probably 45 60 maybe even 90 seconds earlier in that in that entire sequence and it would have saved us, you know, it would have given us 90 seconds of more stuff that we could have had throughout the, throughout the episode. But, but in addition to all of that, right. In addition to, you know, uh, to Megan's point about the logic in this show, you are in literally the space between spaces right now. 
um, and you guys are all superhumans with armor and the ability to breathe through a helmet and you're worried that the ship is going to break apart and potentially put you into the vacuum, you the vacuum of space. space. And you are not like you're running around doing all the stuff without your helmets on. Why? Why is this? Why is this even close to being an option? I have to say, what I'm loving about this conversation is like I think Forward Under Quan has been the uh, show that is is the rebuttal to the put your helmet on people and right, the, and, right. and this whole episode all of us were totally preoccupied by wishing these people would all put their helmets on right. not not for character reasons but for like no. physical no. just like functional right. helmet reasons right right like these are the times when this makes sense you know and they just didn't they chose not to do it i don't get it I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I hate when but, I waste it, my defense on somebody for so long, and then they just wreck all the good <laughs> goodwill I've bestowed. Right. Yeah. yeah, I imagine it's like being a lawyer, and you like get you get like a good plea deal for your client, and then he just goes out and like robs a liquor store or something right. like that night. You know, just just in broad daylight. You're like, uh, oh man, uh, daylight at night. Yeah, that's how, right. how it works. Um, I robbed my. My liquor stores at night. One thing, I, one thing I wanted to just last thing I wanted to say about this little space journey and use this as a segue to the final kind of big long battle sequence. To me, the visual effects in this spaceship when the time and gravity start getting all weird were some of the best in this series, and and really some of the best that I've seen. Like you know, I watch a lot of Star Trek. It was it was up there uh, with the way that it was like distorting. Uh, space around them i guess like that and the the visual effects outside of the ship that you could see and the way that the the light looked to them um was just sort of incredible um and then we got this big battle they all land chief uh you know john puts his helmet on he says spartans on me and he jumps just out of the pelican you know from like low orbit basically and you're just like yeah like yeah this is halo right um and and we did get a big big old battle which we'll we'll talk about but to me there's the show has such a weird visual identity there's these moments where things look really awesome and cool and the spartan suits when they're still and up close look incredible but it's it's pretty clear that they have to walk awkwardly in them when you get large scale things like this battle sequence uh, and the Spartans are moving around and doing a lot of action that's obviously impossible for a real person in that suit to do, things start to look cartoony and floaty and like Star Star Wars Episode One when it was in theaters E. Um, and it's like weird. Julia, you had like a, an interesting take on this that I want you to share where you were kind of like, like what did you think about the, vis- the visual style and, and maybe like how it is appropriate or not appropriate for Halo? Do you mean just like the final battle that we saw? Yeah, you you mentioned that like, yeah, you, you were kind of struck by like, oh, it kind of looks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I thought, I mean, we, I've been playing, you know, a lot of Halo, like the Master Chief collection, where you can kind of switch back and forth between, you know, the old school graphics and then the newer remastered ones. And to me, it kind of seemed like the final battle was trying to harken back to the old school graphics. Like everything looked really stripped down and like... Mm not great (laughs) but it it definitely did remind me of you know playing halo one um just using those those older terrible graphics and i thought it kind of fit for what they were trying to do with the show 
Yeah, I was a little surprised because I that battle midway through uh, the season that that we all gushed over seemed right. so realistic. It was the the practical effects were amazing. I I didn't at one point think this isn't really happening. This isn't, and then this one I I kind of started laughing because they were just getting thrown around by rubber dolls or like like rubber dolls, and it just they're they're I I don't know. I I was kind of cringing the whole battle, and it really made me sad because I was so looking forward to this battle, and it just it didn't work for me. All, the first person stuff I thought. That's some fun uh, fan service, but then they did it maybe a little too much. Uh, I, I enjoyed some of the individual parts. Like, obviously, you know, Grunt getting sniped in the head. Great. That's That was fun. The plasma grenade. Fun, even though. Sorry, Riz. Um, you know, there's some cool moments, but in general, the battle didn't do it for me. And I don't know if what they did was intentional or had maybe they cut it in half and used their budget just to like really solidify that half. It would have been better. I, I don't know, but it sadly I, didn't work for me. I totally agree with like the length of that battle though, too. Like halfway through, I was starting to be like, okay, this is, this has been cool and been fun to watch, but I'm ready for the story to kind of pick up and move along now. So I'm glad you brought that up. I want to toss it to Sarah in a second and get your thoughts on this battle as the the one among us who has played the right like you have played the least of these games, and so that connection probably means the least to you. But before I do that, I just wanted to say I went back and looked and and timed it. Um, basically, John jumps out of the between the time John jumps out of the pelican and dies, uh, about seven minutes pass in the episode, and then about another three minutes pass. Uh, from there to the time that the Pelican departs with Silver Team and with the artifact in it. So we're talking about about 10 minutes of combat. And to me, that was like really pushing how much you could hold my attention and keep it interesting. Uh, and, and it's just like for the fans who were wanting entire episodes of action, I, I don't know what they wanted that to look like. This this was like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man level of of visual effects with the bodies getting tossed into hard objects and, and crumpling to the ground. And I don't know why we would have want like what we got was plenty. It was cool. Um, but, but yeah, Sarah, what did you think about this whole bit? This was like, was this the big battle you were expecting? Did it feel like, like a cool modern visual feast to you? Or was it kind of like, is this a game or a show or what? <laughs> it's definitely not the battle I was expecting, but I also wasn't mad at it. I will say, I think it, for me, blurred the lines from video game and, like, TV show a lot. But I will put the caveat out there. I liked Transformers 3 that had about a 45-minute fight, <laughs> fight scene. I loved it. And so this one was definitely long, but I was, I was very into it. And I think I personally like some more of the, like, seeing video game-esque aspects in the show, which I know some people don't. But I, I was here for it. I enjoyed it. I found it entertaining. I don't know if it moved anything along or was a great, like, I don't know, cinematography. I don't know. It was, it was great for me. I liked it. But I, I don't, I can see where people have complaints. And, and right. And, and I think that's another theme of the show is like, we're just watching this as like people who want to enjoy this like entertainment product. Not at, like, we're not here to like put this in the pantheon of like, sci-fi television right it's just like 
I don't know. How do we think about it? Cicero, were you, I was kind of, it, it made me feel uh, like a fanboy to be thinking this, but I was kind of thinking, okay, yeah, you've established that the plasma pistol is cool, but I would like to see a little more, like, let's see the team having to work together in kind of these halo ways. Like, oh man, this guy's got really good shields. You grab a plasma rifle and take those right. down and I'll go for the headshot with the battle rifle kind of things. Cicero, did you miss that? And then Megan, I want to hear your thoughts as well because we've played uh, tons of Halo together. Yeah, because we got a little bit of that in that very first battle in Madrigal, right? And it looked like, oh wow, you know, we're going to see some some uh, work like our our knowledge, except for you know, safe Sarah, uh, our knowledge of Spartans is is mostly singular, right? Like even when you're playing in co-op, it's the two of you being badasses together, but not necessarily by working together. Um, and so getting to see that in Madrigal was, was actually really cool. And we really didn't get to see that type of cooperation again um, between the Spartans. Uh, so it would have been nice to see. Um I still, I really, I marked out for, for this battle. Um, I think you're right, Ty, right? Like everybody's right. I think that the battle went on a little bit too long. Um, The thing that really pulled me out of it was the second they went into first person mode, right? Like this fan service stuff, like they're trying to play fan service to a group of people that hate this show. Right. But it's the not their fans. That, it's right, somebody right. else's yeah. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is they are fans of something else. And even when they did that, right? So they did like two or three times they went to that first person mode. Um, and they're shooting the the assault rifle. And every time they pull the trigger, the th- you hear multiple bullets go out, but only one round r- goes off the ticker, right? So if like if you're gonna do it, do it, oh. right? Yeah, you know? there's this moment where it said like two or one, right. and he keeps yeah. shooting, shooting, yeah. Oh yeah. wow! So so like if you know, guys, if you're gonna do it, just do it. But but don't do it, right? Like you, <laughs> you, you know, like you already gave it to us. You already gave us that in Madrigal, right? Like I believe, and Ty and I, um, we, you know, we watch, we watch some Star Trek shows where um, one, you know, sometimes the criticism is they start at this, they start at an end point, right? Like they have this brilliant idea for an end point of the season and then they work backwards from there. And I feel like, there was there were lots of conversations about the fight in Madrigal, um, the the big team battle that we got in episode five, and this fight here. Um, and th- the thought was we're gonna have these fights and we're gonna build narrative to connect us to those fights. And um as a result you wind up getting these moments that just tonally don't fit what you believe this show to be. And, and those first person modes were, were way too much. And, and the fight went on way too long. Um, yeah, even, even the ending, right. Where, you know, John dies, Cortana takes over and she flies the Pelican in to give them air support. 
so that she can remove them and and the artifact. I'm like, well, why couldn't she have just brought the pelican in while John was alive, right? Like, why was she the only one who could do? I can un- I understand how why she was the only one who could do both of those things at the same time. Grab the artifact as chief and and bring it on but she could have easily took took control of the pelican while one of the other spartans took control of of the artifact and brought the artifact you know brought it onto the ship i i don't i don't get that i don't get it at all again it's the logic thing yeah it it reminds me of um the movie titanic you know at the very end where everybody's just like jack could have been on the door and the whole point is Jack had to die. He couldn't have gone on the door because that's the point. Right. But man, does it really ruin the moment as the audience when you say this is not plausible. This is not how it should be. I understand right. the point you were trying to make. I understand this is where you wanted the ending to be. But you had to get there in a way that is believable to the audience. And and it really takes you out of it when it's not that. Uh, also, I wanted to point out, did Vanek ever use that needler? Uh, there's like yes, a wide yes, shot did. of oh, him. He, yeah, he the did? wide shot. Yeah, okay. when, like the hordes are coming in. He's shooting it like 200 yards yeah. away. And you see it hitting things, but never. I think in general, I would have enjoyed the battle a little more if it had been, uh, you know, there, there are uh, fight scenes where there's just a lot of choppy angles just to show, whoa, a lot of stuff going on. And then there are fight right. scenes where you get to see I mean, it's why people loved John Wick or something, where you get to see the individual person really think out what their battle plan is and really execute it. And I would have loved to see, uh, Ty, as you pointed out, you know, maybe not teamwork, but, you know, with a plasma pistol, just like duck, charge up the plasma pistol, shoot, quickly pull out a battle rifle, shoot, you know, like if you're gonna, I, I would have been in for it at that point. I didn't need to see a hundred elites running up a, a hill from underground confusing right, um right. i didn't i didn't need that I, I i wanted those those individual awesome badass moments and i i just didn't feel like yeah and like the whole thing was just a little too uh, frenetic for me to actually enjoy any individual part and then the individual parts just didn't sell it for me yeah i, I think that yeah i i pretty much felt the same way uh I think, uh, like, I remember when John was fighting Vanek and Cortana's like, his left servo's out of spec or whatever, like, kick his knee, basically. Right. And it was like, yeah, I would have loved to see, like, more, like, Cortana, you know, John had already asked for her help and, like, kind of invited her to do her thing without taking over his mind and body already. And so it's like, yeah, like, how did that not entail tactical advice such as, we've got a pelican with, like, a huge yeah. gun that we can fly it's in. It's like they did the fan service in the elite. wrong way. They did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a weird mm-hmm. thing to pick the fan service. They need to do the first person so it feels like a video game rather than it feels like the fight in the video game come to life, which is what everybody really wanted to see. So yeah, yeah. So so speaking of fan service, I just wanted to tag one thing that I glossed over earlier, which is when John jumps out of the Pelican, he lands on a a grunt and kills him. And, and uh, Julia, you expressed you a little bit of me. sadness uh, on behalf of the grunts, and I was like, Julia, how many times have we walked around, you know, on a on a split screen in in Halo and just found a bunch of sleeping grunts and assassinated them <laughs> to to death? But it was different for you seeing seeing them. Uh, 
in live action or, or so to speak? Yeah, I don't know. Seeing them in live action for whatever reason just made it more real in a weird way. And I did feel kind of sad when they were just straight up murdering these sleeping bugs, even though I've done it in the video games. So grunts breathe methane so they can't breathe the atmosphere, and that's what the big tank uh, triangle or tanks on their back are, and that's why they have those masks. And like, so Vanek, I think it is like steps on one but he doesn't like squish his head he like kicks the mask off of its face and like then kills it and it's like yeah it was pretty brutal sarah did you have any like do you feel like you're getting a sense of what these the covenant is as a whole or are you kind of like wait who are these guys i was pretty much like wait who are these guys but <laughs> oh okay it's part of the fight i'll accept it yeah for what it is yeah, like, uh, once the Spartans are, like, in full-on just, you, you know they're the bad guys at that point. Like, we, we know what it is. Yeah. Um, Again, going back to logic, I love that they had four grunts at, at, in the front as guards, and then, like, a hundred armored elites hiding underground, but right. at the far <laughs> end of the arena, where they could not, where they had to attack an easily defensible position... The, from behind, uh, yeah. from behind, <laughs> and then the three prophets were just hanging there, right? And yeah. like, oh no, McKee. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, it's a weird, just another weird straw. security situation on yeah. the at, at the well, temple. I mean, there there are brutes that can just materialize out of thin air and just jump down. Yeah, so uh, you know, you always have those guys. That was uh, probably the last thing I wanted to tag was they did finally name that brute uh, that like grabs Riz by the ankle and throws her onto the ground and stuff, uh, and that's Atriox. Atriox is one of the leaders you can play as in Halo Wars, so that is an existing Halo universe uh, character that they finally found something else for him to do that I thought was uh, was kind of fun. Um, and Megan, you mentioned Maquis, so let's let's uh, just kind of tag on that. Um, Julia, I know you were sad to see Maquis' story end so soon. Maquis kind of overhears the prophet saying, nah, like, we're going to betray her anyway. Um, and to me, that was like, oh, wow, you know, this it kind of brought her back to seeming like a, a tragic figure uh, in some ways. Um, and yeah, Julia, I know you felt like it kind of got cut short. So what did you think about that? What were you hoping for? What were you expecting out of that scene? Yeah, um, I was really, really interested in seeing how McKee's character arc was going to get developed. I thought it was just really interesting with her, you know, allegiance to the Covenant, kind of shifting to allegiance to John, back to the Covenant. Um, I just, I really enjoyed that character growth there. And then I thought, I thought it was such a shame when she died because, you know, the show seemed to be focusing a lot on Master Chief's kind of emotional and character growth throughout the show and just becoming more human and, you know, discovering his emotions. And it seemed like McKee was, you know, instrumental. However, you know, we all felt about them getting together. Um, She was there to help kind of bring out more of that humanity in him. And now she's dead. (laughs) and That's over with. And so that kind of, it felt like a letdown to me. And it's worth mentioning that the re- I glossed over this, but the reason that she's dead is because Kai shot her in order to kind of wake John up from his little um, 
Halo Trance. Uh, any other thoughts on the key before we talk about John's death and the, the I don't know, takeover by Cortana? Megan? Yeah, I do wish... I, I always wish I could be a fly on the wall in the writer's room to see mm-hmm. what what their um, motivation was. Because obviously it, it seemed um, almost like Cicero was saying when they work backwards uh, that, and as Julia said, McKee was a figure in John's plot to unleash his humanity. And then what I imagine is they thought, oh, you know what, we need to give her a a little bit of a backstory so that we kind of feel for her like John does. So they added in, you know, some of that, um, you know, those few minutes showing her childhood and a couple of things. But I wish they had either decided she was just a plot point or she was a person and they kind of went halfway and, and she was an interesting enough person that they could have identified her cycle as a tragic one and really drove that home maybe it wouldn't have been the show that they intended it just it seemed like it it was a weird compromise it was a weird halfway thing and with a lot of the things in the show it was just why why was it there like did did you not have your normal wall of post-it notes saying this is the care this is the art for this person like i i just it bizarre yeah i don't know really what her point was other than just to be John's paramour. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, listen, here's, here is a, a little secret about this show. Uh, everything about this show is um, there to drive master chief. And um, you know, and, and, and like, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back while I pat myself on the back, but you know, I called this last week. Uh, that this was this was a Romeo and Juliet pairing, and um, you know a sacrifice was going to have to be made, and it was going to be McKee. Um, so when she died, I wasn't necessarily surprised by it all. They did, in fact, um, both die, so that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so um, when I just she wish died, if that's the story that they wanted to tell. They would have drove it home a little bit better. Well, it, it just I mean, seems like it was just but, a, a thin underline rather than the the actual driving. But yeah, I think I think you can I can I think you can fairly say that about the entire season story, right? Yep. Like that there was a story that they wanted to tell that they should have told better. Um, and, and, well put. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, better. Thank but, you. But yeah, but they. Um, to me it seemed clear that mckee was going to die like i think we knew that she was definitely going to die when the covenant was like oh thanks she did everything that we needed her to do now let's kill her um you know as i promised so like that's when you've when you've created when you've taken someone who was a villain and potentially complex and and really kind of um both disarming and disorienting at the same time, which I think McKee was at, at uh, times during the course of the season and you make her completely sympathetic, then, you know, her usefulness is gone, right? Yeah. You know, her usefulness is gone because you've, you've removed all the complexity about who this character is. The second you decide that 
to say that the covenant, you know, her her supposed home base is like, ah, she, we don't need her anymore. Um, so we don't, right? Like as the viewer, the writers are like, you don't need her anymore. You don't need this crutch. And so she's going to go. I wish they had decided to do some, like they could have taken the battle, brought, brought the, reined the battle in a little bit more and use some narrative time to like remove McKee off the board instead of a hundred percent yeah right like oh i'm bleeding on our in our halo uh hollow deck why that is, is how the this? matrix works <laughs> and right. just says sorry <laughs> right like i you know like uh, um that, that that was a lot that was a lot um and you know i guess at some point like one of the last things that John remembers is the fact that that Kai killed his his boot, right? So so now, um, you know, his one and only. He's never gonna love anyone the way that he loved uh, yeah. loved McKee. Well, he's dead. You know? So so perfect segue. Um, <laughs> John, after waking up from this uh, Halo dream, he realizes that like there's no way for Silver Team to accomplish their mission. Uh, and there's certainly no way to accomplish their mission and survive the mission. Um, and so John, uh, now armed with the knowledge that Cortana, you know, Cortana had this kind of breakthrough moment in their relationship on the way to the Aspero system where she reveals what her, her true purpose was, that she can take over his body and mind. Um, and, and Cortana describes how that would work exactly the same way that Parangoski told John that he needed to be uh, on his way out the door, which is John must cease to exist. Um, Parangoski says there can only be Master Chief, but Cortana knows how that works, right? That that what we're talking about here is Cortana taking over his his mind and body completely, and so John basically forces her into that situation by throwing himself at the Covenant. Um, we'll ignore how long his shields lasted, uh, even in spite of his best efforts to make them go down. Um, and just talk about what this means, uh, character development wise. Look, it's Halo. Obviously, we all know he's coming back, um, and that John is not gone, even though they raised that question of whether he would be able to come back. And, and Cortana's really not sure that she's, you know, that he is in there still anywhere. And we end the episode with Kai asking, Is that, are you in there, Chief? You know, or is that you, John? Uh, and we just get this helmet, you know, looking back. Um, from Kiki Wolfkill, like I said, we know this is Halo. We know he's coming back. Kiki on Declassified was talking as if, yeah, this is we wound up in a good place where John and Cortana have a lot of trust for each other and have that relationship that we're more familiar with from the games. And I'm thinking, no, Kiki, you wound up with one of them being dead. Um, but but it's almost like they know that we'll assume that he's coming back. Um, I like that was the one time I liked the first person, and I think maybe that's why they kept revisiting it. Is because when Cortana takes over and they go to first person, the HUD is gone. It's a digital. It's like the Matrix. It's like this blue stream of of like ones and zeros and bits and stuff. Um, so, Sarah, I want to start with you. The main character dying is uh, a thing that has gone, I think, like in and out of vogue uh, in in fictional stories, and just like how did this this unique take and twist on that work for you? Um, did it make sense? How did you feel, et cetera? I, I don't buy it, I guess. I 
don't really think he's gone. I, it's a trope that's used so much that I feel like there's no way they go into second season with John being completely gone and Master Chief being run by Cortana. So it, I don't think it had an emotional impact on me at all. I was like, this is what we're doing right now. And next season, somehow John will be back. I don't really know how, but he will. Yeah. Anybody else? How did you feel like this? You know, just just was this a development that made sense for John's character and like kind of that relationship between him and Cortana that they've they've been building up? Um, or was this just like more eye rolling at the end of a very long combat sequence that already had a couple eye rolls? I well, f- for me, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an eye roll. Um, but I just kind of was like, all right, well, this is what they're planning. This is what they're choosing to do right now. This is where the writers are taking us. Okay, fine. Right. Like there's no drama in this moment because there's no way that I'm going to sit here and believe that before episode one of season two ends, that we don't have at least a hint that, that John is back. Right. So, so like, all right, fine. It, it, it's kind of like uh, spoilers for, uh, for infinity war, but it's kind of like at the end of infinity war when um, Peter Parker, you know, Peter Parker gets, gets uh, dusted. Right. And he doesn't Where feel Marvel so Marvel wipes well. out half of their revenue. And right. Right. Yeah. Go. So I'm like, before I sat down for this movie, I knew that the sequel for the Spider-Man movie was coming in a little while. So like at like this doesn't, it doesn't have any emotional weight for me because I know he's not dead. Right. Like I know he's not gone. So I, I just, I, I don't know. It's fine. Right. But like that's, it's, it's the thing they wanted to do. Yeah. I just wish the arc again had been a little more established. Like he, he, he starts out as a, as a bit of a robot. He, he something triggers his desire to understand humans a little better. So he becomes more human, has a very human relationship, and then decides to undo that. But bef- between the human and the like, there was no decision, real decision making by John, where I felt like. Uh, it, it is a tragedy that he is sacrificing his self at this point. Like, had he, had he maybe, like, talked to McKee about his dreams? Like, you know what? I never realized now that I'm human, like, may, uh, maybe there's a life for me beyond this. You know, so, something that was, like, where we felt a little sad that he decided to give that up because it, it seems like just a tactical decision. Like, Oh, I can't touch the artifact. Can you? All right, BRB. <clears throat> I, I just, I, I would have really, it would have had such a more emotional impact if they had actually delivered on that arc by maybe going into John's head a little bit more than they did. And a- as it is, like, we didn't even get to see his reaction to McKee other than just looking at Kay and going like, huh? Um, there, there was no, there was no tragedy there where they could have milked that. They really could have. Uh, and at least we could have gotten that, even if we knew that the physical stakes were true. We could have still felt for John. And as it is, it was really only Kay that was 
that, that, that carried that emotional, that, that heart for us. Um, it was like the same thing in, you know, Infinity War. It, it's, it, it's sad because Tony Stark is sad and, he, and Peter Parker is sad. That's why it's sad is because the, the people involved in this don't know the outcome and our hearts hurt for them while they're being tortured by this. And it just, they didn't, they didn't do it. And it didn't even look like they tried. So, yeah. uh, well, with that, I think that's a great segue into just kind of our final uh, final thoughts on where this season left all of us. Um, in many ways, uh, you know, I'll kind of start off. I thought this was overall a, a great episode that I really enjoyed in a lot of ways, uh, but it wasn't a conclusion to the finale in any or to the season story arc in any real meaningful way. It was an end to the lives of Aiden and uh, McKee. But, um, you know, like I'm around waiting for season two, but it was like very confusing as a finale. Uh, the structure of the season as a whole is very confusing. You know, I, I was, we watched them throw these plates in the air and I was waiting for them to come down. But now I realize that actually what they wanted me to do was go, wow, that plate throwing was awesome, right? Like, what did this person learn from throwing that plate? Right? Um, and it's never coming back down. Um, so, you know, I think we all have some different predictions about how those connections might come back in, in season two, obviously we're out of blessed ones at this point. And so all of our known connections to what we're all assuming is like, find, they showed a star map, find and activate, I guess we'll deal with activate when we get there, but finding the halo ring, um, you know, the artifacts are leading them to halo. And right now there's nobody who can use those artifacts. Um, and so that obviously leaves room for Quan to become important in some way again. Um, I do think the beginning of season two is going to be like playing the beginning of Mass Effect 2, where they're like, oh, by the way, a bunch of time passed and a bunch of stuff happened. And like the table has been reset. Like, right, John is rebuilt. He's back. Uh, maybe there's a montage or a flashback to explain that. But we're going to kind of start from a new not from zero, but from one, as we say about Strange New Worlds. And, and like, uh, we've got Silver Team. Uh, we've got Miranda. Halsey is the big bad. She's out there, right? And, and we know, uh, I do think we'll get the Flood in season two. Um, but that's where I'm at for my vibe of the season. It's, it's a weird show. I can't recommend it unreservedly to anybody. Like it will always come with a tag if I recommend it to people, but there are people who always say, yeah, you should check it out. It's, 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 it's got some cool episodes. And uh, if you're willing to see Halo in a different way, there, there will be some things in there that you like, um, but kind of a, its own, its own little, uh, its own little version of Halo and its own little beast. Uh, Sarah, let's take it to you. What's your final, uh, analysis are you are you still digesting or do you feel like you have a verdict on this season how are you feeling i liked it um i liked it i don't think it went anywhere i thought it was going to go when i hmm. saw the first episode um but after watching the finale they've got me pretty hooked i'm definitely gonna check into season two i need to see some connections made i need how soren doing gotta got to see everything come back together ideally so I, I will give it a season two watch but we'll see after that 
Okay, right on. That's a that's a really great, uh, interesting review. I was always super interested in your perspective uh, as like the, you know the, like this is primary Halo for you. Like this is Halo Prime for for you, right? Not that you've never been exposed to it before, um, but yeah, uh, Cicero, how are you feeling? Um, so what I'll say about this, what well, what I'll say about this episode is I I very very much enjoyed this episode i was um honestly not looking forward to watching this episode because my expectations of this were very low and i just i wanted it to be at least okay yeah my expectations were pretty low (laughs) right and it far it far exceeded my expectations um yeah but but i think the series itself continued to lower my expectations. So by the time we got to the mm-hmm. finale, my expectations for what this, this, you know, how they were going to send us off before we got to season two were so low right. that, uh, you know, that I was just hoping, you know, just, just, just don't be worse than what I'm expecting. And it was so much better, right? Like that, that fight sequence, the fact that the, the way that the, the episode was paced, um, some of the revelations that were made, um, the interactions between silver team, uh, that whole thing through slip space, the interactions between chief and Cortana. I like, I really, really, really appreciated all of those things. Uh, and I like, Oh, okay. You know, like this, this is all right. Uh, like you, Ty, I don't know if I can recommend this to anyone, right? Like I I can only recommend it to people that are like, Oh, I kind of want to watch this halo show and I want to have an open mind about this halo show, right? Like I'm not expecting this halo show to be like halo. Um, and I don't know who, you know, I don't know who those people are, right? Like it, Sarah's here. I, I'm so happy to have you here, Sarah, because like how you were able to find this thing and and attach yourself to this show is remarkable to me without, you know, without having th- that baggage and those expectations. Um, the way I look at this series or, or at least this season is kind of like you're going to an amusement park that someone has told you about but you personally haven't been there um so uh you see you know you have these these expectations in your head and you see the billboards as you're going along then you finally get to the amusement park and it's not as awesome as you as you thought it would be um, and you kind of go go around and, you know, some of the some of the rides are broken and and, you know, things just don't look really awesome. But while you're there, there are some rides that are pretty damn cool. Right. And and during the course of the season, we got to ride on some pretty damn cool rides while the rest of the park was kind of meh. Right. Like it was just it just wasn't all the way there. But I do feel like this was this last episode was one of the best rides in the park. Um, and and, you know, as long as you kind of look at it that way, like hey, I'm, I've already paid a mission to be in this park. Uh, and I'm not going to get my money back. Right. Like if my money is my time, like I'm not going to get that back they have they have spent my my time 
a lot worse than this last episode. Um, sure. Season two, yeah. season two is gonna be season two. I'm gonna be here to watch it, and I think after season two, much like Sarah, will be the point where I'm like, all right, well, they need to end this, right? Or, or um, you yeah, know, or there is there is meat there for for redemption. Yeah, Julia, you're somebody who uh, at times can get very into certain fandoms. Uh, you know, I know you you've played Halo in the past, but obviously this is like we've been we've been uh, macro dosing on Halo lately between the Master Chief Collection and this show and, and everything like that. Uh, does this show leave you feeling excited uh, to to really keep diving into the Halo fandom? Does it leave you lukewarm in Cicero's amusement park analogy? Are you uh, ready to go stop by customer service and, and convert your daily pass to season tickets uh, or not quite yet? <laughs> um, I've, you know, I really enjoyed the show overall watching through it. Um, you know, loved all the callbacks to the games, um, all the first person views and everything. I felt like this episode, it left me feeling kind of unsatisfied at the end. Um, you know, I enjoyed it, but definitely some parts dragged a lot. Um, I'm interested in season two, but I'm not like super excited about it. Like I know, like Sarah said, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing all some of the loose ends get tied up, some more connections being formed. Um, I'd love to see some more like relationships develop and characters get like more fleshed out. Like I would love to see more of Riz and Vanek maybe becoming more human. Um, but I also know that because Maki's dead and John is dead, so he can't activate the artifact, we're gonna have to go to Madrigal. We're gonna have to you know, reunite with Quan, and I'm just not really excited about that right now. I really liked all the focus on the Spartans and on Silver Team and would really like to see more of that and, yeah, not not focus on Quan and Madrigal, but that's just me. Awesome. Yeah, Megan, final word on season one of Halo the series. Yeah, I, I really like Cicero's analogy of the amusement park because I, it I think of it like I go to this amusement park and um, one attraction is like a Looney Tunes themed roller coaster. I'm like, oh, I get it. It's Looney Tunes and we get to go on rides. And then the next attraction is like a CrossFit gym. I'm like, that's odd. I don't, this doesn't really fit here. And then, and then one, and then I see like a talented Disney princess. I'm like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And then someone says, should I go? And I'm like, I don't know. What are you into? Because no, you know, I just <laughs> I would have loved to know what like the narrative pillars were for this show because I you know I actually just googled IMDb I wanted to know the summary of the show because what is it about if somebody asked me what is this about I wouldn't be able to tell them I would be able to tell them Dr. Halsey is my favorite part but I couldn't tell them oh it's a um epic space opera I couldn't tell them that. Oh, it's a it's a military uh, battle. No, it's a it's a political drama. No, it's a romance. No, I don't know what it was supposed to be, and I certainly don't know what it is. Uh, so IMDb says Master Chief, a cybernetically enhanced super soldier, defends humanity from the alien covenant. And I can't tell you that is at all the summary of the show I just watched. I I'm not even sure John was necessarily the main character. I don't, 
yeah, so I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just left confused. I was confused the whole time. And it's not to say that I wasn't entertained because I, I was. Uh, I didn't get bored. I I liked a lot of the parts. I loved Halsey. I loved Halsey so much. Uh, I loved everything she was in. If I could just do an edit breakdown of just Halsey, then I would say 100% recommend this. Um, I loved that battle. It, it was everything I, that, that middle battle, it was everything I wanted with Halo. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do, I'm very interested in season two because I've heard that they're bringing in different writers or a different showrunner or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there's a new showrunner. Yeah. New showrunner for season two. So I would, because I'm not, I'm not adverse to the element, besides Quan, I'm not adverse to the elements in this show. I love Silver Team. I love, I think Pablo Schreiber is, is, is Master Chief is great. I, I love, I love Halo. Um, if they're actually going to go to Halo, that would be great. Um, the Flood, that would be great. And, and if, I, so I don't want to say no to season two because I still want to love it, which is why I kept, I mean, besides this podcast, why I kept watching this one because I still, I'm cheering for it. So I'm not willing to let go yet, but man, I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know what? I just want to. I just want to ask this question: Will, will all of you guys go back and rewatch this season? Uh, no. For me personally, I've probably already seen each episode twice, so it's it's unlikely that I'll be doing that anytime yeah, soon. Same. I might go back and watch that Arena's Battle though, because okay. yeah, okay, that that was sweet. I would prefer to never watch. Uh, the eyeball sequence, or some some of the other gross things. I really forgot about that. So thanks, guys, for bringing that up. Yeah, that's all I can see right now. The I I would I would if I watch it again, I would love for there to be a little Cortana bug that pops up in the corner, and it's just like warning: somebody's about to pull their fingernail out of their finger. Like if if you're not into that, you might want to look away. Um. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. That does it for this season of Halo the Series and for us at Forward Unto Quan. Megan and Cicero, thank you so much for joining this ride all season long. It has been such a joy. Thank you to Julia and Sarah for pitching in and joining our team for these couple episodes. Uh, it was a pleasure having both of you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you enjoyed this great journey into the, the larger Halo-verse. Uh, thank you to the costume designers on this show. Those uniforms are just the absolute best. Thank you to uh, Sean Callery, the music composer, who also wrote the music for 24. I love that music that plays when they go on the Halo ring. I think that's such a cool sound texture. Well done. And most of all, thank you, Kiki Wolfkill, uh, for your years of hard work bringing this show to us and giving us the chance to nerd out about it here on Forward and Quan. Finally, to our listeners, be sure to check out Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is also on Paramount Plus, and you can listen to Cicero, myself, and the rest of the great crew on Discovery Debrief. We talk about that show and all the rest of the Star Trek stuff going on on that podcast, which you can find wherever you're listening to this podcast. Again, that show is called Discovery Debrief. Thank you for joining us this season on Forward Unto Quan. <laughs> <laughs>